The following program contains adult content and strong language. Listener discretion is advised. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning into the very first episode of Gig Encounters of the Weird Kind. Uh, today I have a very special guest with me. He is the reason why I actually started this podcast. His name is Joel Alpers, and he is legendary. And um, I am so excited that he said he would do this. It means the world to me, and I think you are all going to really enjoy Joel's stories. Um, Joel, thank you so much for coming on. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Nettie. When you told me you were uh, (laughs) planning on doing this, I was beyond thrilled. I just thought this is the greatest idea ever. I know so many musicians who have great stories, and I was incredibly honored that you chose me to be the first one. I would I would tell these stories to you any day if we're sitting around a fire. You've heard many of them before, and uh, but if you want to share them with people, that's so much the better. I I do believe that the people need to hear your stories. I just want to hear the dirt. The thing is, is that I've decided to do a whole entire chapter on just you because your stories are so legendary. And I mean, we still talk, we still bring them up at dinner or if something reminds Derek and I of the story, we just start immediately cracking up and we don't even need to say what it is. We we know exactly what's going on. So basically what I want to start with is I'd like for you to tell everybody what you were doing BC, which is before COVID, not before Christ, but before COVID. Not that um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what were you doing before COVID hit? And then, yeah. Uh, right before COVID hit, I was getting ready to play uh, the percussion chair of Hamilton at the Pantages. We were settling in for a nice year and a half run and was getting really excited for that. And uh, wow, we, we literally shut down hours before our first show and it was, yeah um that was definitely the hardest show I've ever had to learn it was months a <laughs> couple months of working on it on my own and then we had a couple weeks of really intense rehearsals at the theater and it was sounding great and uh we had to leave everything there everything is still set up at the Pantages everything is under plastic tarp and oh. waiting for us to return so Hopefully that'll be there in uh, October is the date we have now to resume. So oh, good. I, doing that. I will be in after COVID. <laughs> after COVID. I will definitely be going to that. I I would love to hear you do the percussion on Hamilton. But what why do you say it was such a hard show? Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's, a <laughs> it's a monster. It's great though. It's really, really fun. It, it's it's an awesome, awesome. I'm I think that you are the perfect person to do percussion for that show. Um, I do want to tell the listener that I will be referring to Joel as J-Rock, and Joel will probably be referring to me as Nutty. We have been friends for 20-something years, and we have gigged together for probably about 19 years, and so we have nicknames for each other. And we go way back, and uh, Joel is family. So what I'd like to ask you, Joel, is can you tell us about the drum tech? The drum tech, yes. This is a this is a uh, <laughs> this is a good one. So I'll give you the long version since we're since that's what we're here for. So great. 
This is, we're going back some decades here. This is in the late 90s. Uh, and I got called to fill in on a tour uh, by a drummer friend of mine. Um, I'm going to use some some assumed names and yes. name flank this one. But uh, it was for a band. I, I knew all the guys in this band. Um, we'd all played together in various combinations and on various different gigs. But I had, I had never actually played any gigs with this band with this drummer's main band. Let me turn off my uh, mail here. Too. No worries. Being it at you every... Uh, and then um, can can you at least say what kind of style of music was it that you were playing? Yeah, they were kind of... The band was like a swing rock band and great okay. band. They're still around. Um, at the time, they were doing really, really well. They were signed to a major label. Mm -hmm. and, um, and it was a great tour. The tour was opening for... Uh, uh, two headlining acts that are legendary bands. One of them's in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. The other one really should be. Both bands that I had admired growing up, it was it was really exciting to get to jump in on this tour. The drummer couldn't make the West Coast dates. So I got, uh, he asked me if I could fill in. And I said, sure, that, that would be wonderful. Um, and I didn't have a lot of time to get acclimated. I had a really quick rehearsal with them in town. And then they literally picked me up in front of my house in the tour bus. And I was off and on the road with him. And the first several gigs were all one-off gigs where I think we were in Vegas and then the Bay Area and then in Park City we played. And, oh, uh, really? and, uh, and they were all one-offs where we, you know, we would play the gig, load out, get back on the bus. I would sleep in my little cubicle on the bus and uh, we'd ride overnight and wake up and the, the next day we'd be in the next city at the next venue. Um, so that was that was how the first few days went, and I was getting used to the tour and meeting the people on the tour, and uh, just you know trying to get through the shows. And mm -hmm. then we finally had our first day off in Washington State. We were going to be playing at the Gorge the next day. Okay, uh, incredible place, right right there on the Columbia River. But we had a day off the the day before, and we pulled into Moses Lake, Washington, which is little town in Washington State. And uh, bus pulls up in front of a Best Western there, right on the lakefront, and uh, I get off the bus. And the tour manager, you know, he's checked everybody in, and he hands me a room card, and he says, "Here you go. You're going to be rooming with with Dave. I'm going to call. I'm going to call this guy Dave." Okay, and, fair. But Dave was the drum tech and one of the roadies for the tour. Okay. Um, I had never met him before this tour. I'd only known him a few days. I didn't really have any relationship with him other than I'd see him on the gigs and I'd, I'd spent, you know, some time with him when I first got on the tour talking about how I wanted the drums set up and everything like that. Um, but, but I really hadn't, hadn't gotten to know him at all. And uh, I would see him before the gig, the gig would be over, he would be breaking everything down. And then the only other thing I'd noticed about him was that I noticed that every night on the bus, he would be drinking a lot. He just would always be drinking and I'd sort of see him as I'd crawl into my little cubicle and he would be getting hammered on the bus. Great. And that was about the extent of my, my <laughs> knowledge about Dave. So, you know, I, I get my room card. I throw my stuff in my room. I went and got some lunch. I go back to my room. It's mid afternoon and I see Dave's not in there, but there's already like three or four empty Heineken bottles and an <laughs> ashtray filled with cigarettes and oh. clothes everywhere. I just look, you know, it's like, a rock and roll hotel room. And I, so I kind of, I said, all right, I, I guess this is the way it's going to be. I, I can deal with this for a night. Sure. 
And, uh, and then I just killed the rest of the afternoon. I went for a long, there's a park by the lake and I went for a long outing by myself and I did some writing and I went and had some dinner and I was pretty tired after a few days on the tour and I'd been sleeping on the bus, which I wasn't used to. And, and I really wanted to get a good night of sleep. So I decided to go turn in early and uh, I go back to my room. And as I walk through the hotel bar on the way to the elevators, I, I see Dave is at the bar with, uh, with some of the guys from the other road crews from the other bands and he's drinking. And I say, all right, I'm, I'm sure I'll see him later. So I have a few hours in the hotel room by myself and I, I read, I watch a little TV, I listen to some music and getting pretty tired. It's, it's, you know, one in the morning now and I'm ready for bed. So I get everything ready. I turn off the lights and I'm just about dozing off. And all of a sudden I just hear pounding on the door outside and what's going on? And I run and I open the door and there's Dave and he's kind of swaying and he kind of pushes past me into the room oh. and, and falls on the bed, just down like a tree falling. And, uh, and I should also add just to complete the picture, this is, Dave is like a physically imposing individual. He's like six foot three, six foot four. Uh, I'm not six foot three or six foot four. And, uh, and he, you know, covered in tattoos, just kind of a hard looking guy. Yeah. Um, so anyway, he like muscles past me, collapses on the bed and, and uh, you know, the, he's turned on the lights and, and then he sort of falls down. And so I, I was just about asleep. So I'm, I'm a little rattled now, but I think, okay, maybe he's going to just sleep and, and I, can, I can relax again and, and try to get back to sleep. So I turn off the lights, I lie back down on bed. And then, you know, I hear all this thrashing in the bed next to me and kind of, he can't, he can't lie still. And there's all this mo rah, rah, grunting and he kind of sounds like, like a musk ox that's, that's taking a bullet. <laughs> he just doesn't sound good over there. And I kind of like turn on the light and I, I'm like, hey, hey, are you okay, man? Is everything? And, rah, and he doesn't really, he doesn't really acknowledge my presence. He's just looks bad. And then he kind of lurches up and kind of knocks over some things in the room oh, and he goes into the bathroom and starts running the shower. And I think, all right, this is probably good. He'll take a shower, <laughs> clear his head a bit. Or maybe this will he'll wind down. I'm going to turn off the lights and, and just let him do his thing. So turn off the lights. I lie back down in bed. I'm trying to relax. And then I hear kind of conscious of, I hear the shower turn off and there's a pause for a minute. And then just this tremendous wet, heavy weight falls right on my back and oh. Dave lurched out of the shower stark naked soaking wet and oh. collapsed on top of me on my bed horrifying and so I, I kind of throw him off and all I can think I'm like dude wrong bed wrong bed and he kind of looks at me goes good man and he collapses on his bed again so now you know now my little sanctuary of the bed that's been my little haven is, is completely corrupted, right? It's, it's soaking wet. It's, I, I've, got, he, I've got his smell all over me. It's just ah. it's totally violating and gross. And now I'm kind of agitated. And, but I, I'm so tired and I'm determined. I'm like, I got to sleep. I, I got to just shut this guy out and, and get in my little zone. And I turn off the light again. And then I hear him thrashing about again, kind of a couple <laughs> bottles knock to the floor and I hear him get up and I don't really pay any attention. And then all of a sudden 
I just hear this tremendous crash. <laughs> and like, I, what happened? And I turn on the bedside light and he's standing up totally naked. And he's taken, the room had one of these big, uh, heavy armoires, big dressers oh, with a TV in the middle. And he's taken this TV and just ripped it out of the <gasps> console. One of the, and this is like way pre-flat screen TV days, the big old tube oh, TVs. Yeah, the boxy ones. Smashed this thing all over the ground. <laughs> Broken glass, busted TV on the floor. Oh, God. And he's standing there kind of weaving over this broken TV. And I didn't even know what to say. I kind of look at him and then he kind of methodically starts pulling all the drawers out of this dresser and just Jesus smashing Christ. them in the room, <laughs> throwing them into the corner and he breaks one over his knee and he, he starts just ripping at the curtains. Oh, Jesus it happens so fast. And I, it was like being trapped in a room with a wild animal. I didn't know what to do. And, and I, I tried a couple times talking to him, but he, he, he just wasn't focused on me or anything. I don't even think he registered my presence. He oh, was geez. so out of it. and But and he was doing this n naked. Totally, like, totally naked. Told, you, know. you had to see all his junk yeah. while he was freaking out. Seeing which makes it even worse. It was, I mean, that was a residual <laughs> horror about the situation. But it's, that it's wasn't what I was horror. most concerned about was his nakedness. I was more concerned with... The flying object and the breaking glass and what was I supposed to do? But he's like wet and naked. It was horrible. And and I just didn't know what how to control this guy. I couldn't control him. I and I didn't know what to do. And this is again pre-cell phone days. I didn't know how to right. contact the tour manager. I didn't know what room the tour manager was in. It's like three in the morning. I, I don't know. I certainly don't want to go to the front desk and tell them what's going, you know, I want to keep all this under wraps if I can. Oh I don't God. know where the tour bus is parked. Oh. All I want to do is sleep and I, and I don't really know. And, and also <laughs> there's this nagging little suspicion or question in the back of my mind where uh, part of me wonders if this is some elaborate band prank or totally hey, like welcome to the tour. Like right. he keeps waiting for the door to open and all the guys to come in and say, yeah, I gotcha. Right. But I keep waiting to see if that's going to happen. And maybe I should be trying to play it cool in case, but, but that doesn't happen. It seems to be real. <laughs> so, so it wasn't a hazing. No. And, uh, or not an intentional one. And then like, no, it had, it kind of seemed to end just as soon as it happened. He's broken all this stuff and, and kind of thrashed about. And I'm kind of, you know, plastered up against the wall of the room, just trying to keep my distance and, and dodge any flying debris that comes my way. And then he just collapses back on the bed again. And this time he really looks like he's out. Like I, he doesn't move, he's down. And I, I kind of throw a blanket over him and I say, okay, like maybe, maybe I can just get a couple hours of sleep here. So I, I, he's out, I turn off the lights. He's not, doesn't look like he's gonna get up for a while. And just out of sheer exhaustion, I, I managed to fall asleep. And then I have this kind of long involved dream where I'm walking along the edge of the lake where I was that afternoon. And, and I'm, I'm looking at people swimming in the lake. And then I, I sort of, the dream morphs and I'm in my room, but I hear the waters of the lake lapping up against the windows of the room. And, and then I kind of half wake up and I, I still hear the water running and, and I get a little bit more awake and I realize 
that's that's not the lake that I'm hearing. <laughs> Why do I hear water? And I kind of sit up in bed and I see Dave sitting over there, you know, his shadowy form. He's still asleep <laughs> on the bed. But I hear water and I, I don't know what's going on. So I, I and I can see that the light is on in the bathroom and it's kind of shining out into the room a little bit. So uh, I say, it sounds like the water is coming from the bathroom. So I think, well, I better go investigate. And I, I get up to start walking into the bathroom and I put my feet on the floor and they just go squish. <laughs> carpet. carpet is soaking wet. And he's, <laughs> I, I look, I start walking, the carpet is soaked. And then as I walk towards the bathroom, I just see water pouring out of the bathroom. And I guess at some point he'd gotten up, started running the bathtub and he put the plug in the drain and gone back to bed. So the room is totally flooded and thrashed. There's like, you know, water all over the bathroom. The carpet uh, is soaked wall to wall. I didn't know what to do. And again, glass I, broken. Yeah, like yeah, I kind of weave in there. I turn off the water. I turn off the light. I go back to bed. Oh, I wake God. up in the morning. Dave is gone. The place looks like a crime scene. It's so bad. <laughs> Just glass everywhere. Stuff smashed soaked flooded out and i even like spent a couple minutes trying to you know put a drawer back in the armoire uh. see if i could fix the tv and i said no I, this is beyond repair and uh, so i just fled as quickly as i could i got out of there grabbed my bag split found the tour manager in the restaurant told him what had happened and uh he kind of just shook his head and then i next time i saw dave was on the bus and he, he just said uh, I guess I had kind of a bad night last night. It's <laughs> like, do you, do you not remember anything? He's like, no, I, last time I remember I was at the bar. He, the poor guy blacked out and he got hit with a cleaning bill that I think took out like pretty much everything he made on the tour. Wow. But, the, you know, played the gig that night. I made it through. And then the next time we had an off day was in Portland and they were kind enough to give me my own room for that. Oh, so I that's felt like- nice. They, they, they sympathize with me, but that was, that was, I've had some bad roommates over the year. Sure. Uh, but my, never, the, the whole thing that really can, besides the fact that this wild maniac animal went crazy in your room is the way that the tour manager handled it. When you told him what happened, you said he just kind of shook his head. So this might've been something that Dave. Could, yeah be doing in every single city that they stopped in they yeah, and knew I, you know and i thought about that too mm. because I, all i could think of was when i got off the bus and here's the tour manager and he handed me the car and he kind of looked at me he's like you're gonna be rooming with dave tonight Fuck you know, that sort of echoing yeah. in my head yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> maybe this wasn't a deliberate setup but maybe it was a calculated <laughs> gamble that they were playing with me in the in the role of I I mean, I have to say that, you know, that's that's the thing when we've done smaller tours and even in cover bands or whatever, when you're out on the road, there used to be a time where everybody had to room together. Yeah. And I'm just going to put that out there and say it was a really rough time. And I remember there was one band for me. <clears throat> I was doing something in Palm Springs and it was a bunch of dudes and there was like, oh, no, no, the, the girl in the band doesn't get her own room. I'm like, what? And I 
and they wanted me to like room with one of the guys and I'm like, uh, okay. So which one of you isn't creepy? Like I had to decide and make a decision just based upon, I didn't even know these guys. I, I mean, you know, thankfully I picked a guy who had a girlfriend and I wasn't too worried, but then the girlfriend comes. So now I'm in the room with, you know, the guy and the girl. And it's just, it's such an awkward thing. And I would love, if any tour managers are out there listening right now, please don't make your bandmates room together. It's just, um, you know, it's better for everyone all around if we all have our own rooms. You That's know. true. And if you <clears throat> absolutely have to double up, don't, don't put them with a blackout drunk who <laughs> might destroy the room. Named Dave. <laughs> yes, not a good, not a good feeling for the for the new guy on the floor. I think we all learned a lesson here. Yeah, Stay no. away from a drum tech named Dave, who's six four. <laughs> oh, Joel. J Rock, I'm so sorry that happened to you. You know. Well, as with all stories, you know, while it's happening too, I've learned over the years, no matter what you're going through, you you're running the reel in your mind. So you're like, I, I'm going to be able to tell this story at some future point, hopefully for years to come. So you're just trying to make sure you retain all the details. Of course. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being my very first guest sure. on um, Gig Encounters of the Weird Kind. I think this kind of sets the tone for everyone who's out there listening to realize this is what we're going to be talking about not just Dave, but we're going to be talking about some pretty awful encounters that we've all experienced on the road and on tour, and nobody has experienced them more than Joel. So thanks, J-Rock. Of course. Hey, everyone. Thanks for checking out the very first episode of Gig Encounters of the Weird Kind. Special thanks to my guest, Joel Alpers. Also, thank you to my assistant engineer, Derek Frank. The song that you are listening to is called That's What She Said. You can find it off of Derek's new album, 11 Years Later. Download it on iTunes or stream it on Spotify. And for Gig Encounters of the Weird Kind, like, subscribe, and rate on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Tell your friends. You know you want to. You'll be hearing from me. Bye!